Welcome to a Christmas Eve edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brent. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, warm holiday wishes to all as we close down yet another year. And it's another another year in the business of sports and the business of football. And I'll do my rant about the biggest business of football stories of the year, going through ten to one, my top ten in that list. As always, this is underscored, this opening is underscored by the one and only Sam Brandt, who's home with me during the holiday season, and the musician extraordinaire, and of course, we're produced by Brian Neal. We're presented by Bet Online. They're your online sportsbook experts. Of course, they're the exclusive partner of Podcast One Sportsnet, of which this podcast is part of. Use the promo code Podcast One. Get that 50% sign-up bonus today. BetOnline.ag. So it's going to be a top 10 business of the NFL stories. As you know, I cover the business of sports, primarily the NFL, trying to make you smarter, more interested, more insightful about the NFL. And again, sort of giving a, uh, a deeper conversation to all this since I left the Packers several years ago. And there's my dogs weighing in, Truman. <laughs> The the idea that I've had in life is trying to give back. I'm not going to be someone that cures cancer. I'm not a scientist. I'm not going to work on disease. But what I can do is kind of give back to so many of you interested in sports that go deeper than the headlines, deeper than what you see about games, behind the game, inside the game, and hopefully making you smarter about the game. Using my experiences as an agent, as a team executive, as an analyst, as a lawyer, as a law professor in taking you behind the scenes of the business of sports, primarily the NFL. So without further ado, let's get into the top 10, as I see them, the top 10 business of football stories from the year in the NFL. And this is sort of the audio version of something I'm writing as well. That's going to be in sports illustrated MMQB uh, over the next week or so. So I just want to let you know that, too. You can see it in writing as well. But here's my auto version. So we'll kind of do it in a 10 to 1, but again, no specific order. The 10th story is CBA negotiations. Throughout the year, we kind of heard that maybe we're going to have a CBA even before the 2019 season started. And again, the collective bargaining agreement is the the Magna Carta. It's what I teach about in sports law. It sets all the rules and regulations between the union, which is the Players Association, and the league. It is a massive negotiation. The CBAs in these sports is 400 to 600 pages. But the key parts, what everyone looks for, are the revenue split and, of course, free agency rules and regulations and a salary cap. So those are the key parts that everyone looks at. With a CBA, there were some negotiations going on. Yes, we had optimism. We had a feeling that it's different this time than 10 years ago, where there is some friendliness on each side, where there's some purpose in trying to get things done. But, but, I'm not sure about that. (laughs) I don't think there's a lot of progress going on. I think there's a lot of posturing and and some good posturing in terms of negative posturing, uh, just saying that it's all positive. But, The only thing I can say is that what I've said now for two years, it looks like we're off the 18-game idea, but we're definitely on the 17-game idea, adding a game and some expanded playoffs. And what I'll say here, and I've staked this claim for quite a while now, there is no CBA that gets done without a 17th game on the regular season and expanded playoffs. 
because that's what owners want. That's a revenue source. That's a revenue driver. And of course, the players would get their share factored into the cap calculation with the split of revenues. But to me, the only way, not one of the ways, but the only way the Players Association makes gains in this CBA is very simple. They give up the 17th game, which probably includes some expanded playoffs. And because that has value. Try to think, even if you cover this stuff like I do, try to think of what the union has that can give value to the NFL in a negotiation. I've asked people this. No one can come up with anything. What is the union going to do? You know, say we're going to stand for the anthem? I mean, what, what does the union have that the NFL wants? And to me, you can only come up. Now, the union wants a lot of things. They want a better revenue split because it went down from 50-50 to about 47-53. How are they going to get that? They want relaxation on the franchise tag. How are they going to get that? They want relaxation on commissioner discipline. How are they going to get that? Well, again, if they make any gains, and you assume they won't do a deal without making gains, it has to be a 17th game. So... We'll see where it goes. That's the 10th story. No CBA baby, but there have been some labor pains as we approach kind of a stub year, the year before the end of the extraordinary length of 10 years CBA. The ninth business of football story, uh, as I see it from 2019, kind of looking at free agency, the offseason. The winning team at the time, in terms of how much they spent, was the Jets. And, of course, they're still the Jets, enough said. The best contract given out in free agency, Nick Foles, who was injured and then benched. The other two top contracts given out in free agency, the golden ticket winners from 2019, Landon Collins moving from the Redskins, uh, I'm sorry, to the Giants to the Redskins, and, of course, uh, Trey Flowers moving from the Patriots to the Lions. They both have moved to teams that have not moved the needle on wins. So, again, it sort of underscores my theory that free agency is not seamless like it is in baseball and basketball, buyer beware. This is not to say free agency does not have use. Um, Here on the morning after watching the Packers really manhandle the Vikings in what was a big game, take control of the NFC North, win that division. Zadarius Smith, free agent signing from the Baltimore Ravens. Wow, what an impact he's had on and off the field. There's a free agent signing that has worked. Most don't. And my primary question about free agency is always what's wrong with them, and primarily why didn't that team re-sign them? Because to me, it's always the case that if a player is good enough, strong enough, core enough in your team, you find a way to re-sign them. And usually not right at the cusp of free agency, but usually a year or two before. So winning the offseason has meant losing during the season, at least this year. That is the ninth business of football story. The eighth one, one I talked about a couple weeks ago with Dave Purdom, the ESPN gambling guru. Gambling, sports betting has come to the NFL as we know, and it's all cool now, except for players. So what has been taboo in the NFL for so long, we're only four years removed from the NFL shutting down a fantasy football convention where Tony Romo and so many others were scheduled to attend because it was annexed, not even in, but annexed to the Sands Casino. The NFL has given mixed messages about gambling for so long. It fought New Jersey in court for seven years trying to forestall the implementation of sports betting in New Jersey. And lo and behold, the NFL lost. Now we're a year and a half from that, May of 2018, 
And the question becomes, what is the feeling towards gambling? Well, the NFL is going in on the business side. Caesars Palace is now the official casino sponsor of the NFL. And what's his ultimate irony, a player, Josh Shaw, on the Arizona Cardinals on IR, goes into Caesars, the official casino sponsor of the NFL, makes a bet, and now he's suspended at least through 2020. I mean, think about this. So you have an official casino sponsor. The player goes and makes a bet in there, and he's he's heavily, harshly, severely disciplined. So what we really come out with is that the NFL is going to go all in on embracing gambling because it's such a great fan engagement tool and because it has so many monetization opportunities. But for players, it's do as I say, not as I do. Players are still off limits, can't bet. They're warned all the time. And Josh Shaw is thinking, hey, Supreme Court says it's cool. And in fact, they say Caesars is cool. They being the NFL say Caesars. But no, no, can't bet. And that's where we are. And it's just stunning to me, as I've written and talked about, that Josh Shaw has suspended at least a year and change when domestic abusers, gamblers, I mean, I'm sorry, domestic abusers, uh, sexual assault, uh, perpetrators, drug, alcohol, you know, much less, much less. So there is the import of gambling right now, which is still always where we were in terms of players. That's the eighth uh, business of football story. Number seven is the Kaepernick tryout washout. I've said this before, never in the history of the NFL, at least from my viewpoint, have we seen the NFL stage an individual workout. Agents do it all the time. Teams do it all the time. But and league schedules a workout at the combine for hundreds of players, but never for one player. They did it. They chose a Saturday afternoon in mid-November at the Atlanta Falcons facility, and they did it for Colin Kaepernick. Well, of course, it didn't go off. Colin Kaepernick uh, left dispute over the waiver, among other things, has his own workout. And here's the telling and chilling fact: is that 25 teams purported to attend the NFL stage workout could not be bothered to go across town, indeed much closer to the Atlanta airport, to watch Kaepernick throw at his own workout. Only seven teams showed up for that. So 18 teams said, okay, we'll look at Colin Kaepernick. But you can tell they're being dragged, kicking and screaming to do so because they can't be bothered to go across town, catch a later flight, or even get closer to the airport to watch Kaepernick at a high school. Over and done with, we're at the same place we always were. Uh, Kaepernick's not going to be signed. He isn't going to be signed. He never was going to be signed, but the NFL threw this out there. And we're left where we always have been, where the NFL's actions have never reached the level legally, which is a tough standard, of collusion. Clearly, the NFL does not want that, and you can define that however you want, activism on behalf of a player that brought some negativity to the league, on their teams. I mean, it's so obvious. Uh, you know, we have you see who start, who's playing at quarterback, some of whom are starting at quarterback in the NFL. I'm not saying Kaepernick can definitely be someone that starts, but he can be someone that makes a team. I don't think anyone would disagree with that. So that's the sixth, I'm sorry, the seventh story, the Kaepernick tryout washout. The sixth business of football story of 2019, the top ones, 
The quarterbacks, we've had some cash out, you know, some big deals, three that come to mind in 2019. Uh, two of them are, were in their rookie deals, the number one and two picks of 2016 draft. That would be Jared Goff and Carson Wentz. The teams went all in on them. Even though you could ask why in both situations, is Goff really the guy? Wentz had been hurt the two of the last three, two of the seasons he'd been in the league and the latter part of the season. But they went all in, even though they had a year left and the option year, and they're, they're all cashed in. The other one that did a deal that was the one I sort of hold out hope for that maybe he would resist the urge to sign was Russell Wilson. Signed it at the deadline of training camp. Um, Russell Wilson is now locked in. I thought Russell Wilson might try to test the market, play out the year, have his value skyrocket. Of course, the problem for these great quarterbacks is the franchise tag. The team has the weapon not only to use but to hold over them in negotiations. So like the Packers did with Rodgers a year ago, the Seahawks threw a ton of money in the face of Russell Wilson and couldn't turn it down. He could have been the white knight that really could have challenged the existing standards for guarantees and total contract, but he decided, no, he was going to take the deal. So conspicuously absent from the deals uh, of this year are is um, Dak Prescott, who did not do a deal. So Dak Prescott becomes the quarterback who did not do a deal. And I think that was smart because if he did a deal, he'd be negotiating off a platform or starting point, as I call it, of whatever he was making in 2019, $700,000. Hard to do a great deal off that number. Come January, he'll be doing a deal off of a platform number of $25 million because we assume they'll franchise tag him. And then he'll be negotiating a contract and they'll probably get one done and it'll be a massive number simply because he waited even though maybe waiting was something he had to do because he wasn't being offered the contract he thought. So Dak does not cash in, but he certainly will. Goff and Wentz do, and Russell Wilson, even though the hope was he wouldn't, to really set a standard, but he did because of that pesky franchise tag. That was the sixth most of uh, biggest impact of business football story of 2019. Now to number five, the player power argument. Uh, player power is increasing. And we saw it with Zeke Elliott, with Antonio Brown, more on him to come. And with Jadavian Clowney, with Jalen Ramsey, uh, they got themselves out of situations. They leveraged their superstar status into preferred destinations or better contracts. Uh, I'd say Micah Fitzpatrick in this as well, maybe Laramie Tunsil. So what happens here is that through holding out or holding in, which someone like a Jalen Ramsey did, where he was kind of a being a pain while being in the building, they got themselves in better situations. So I guess the answer is, can you do this? The answer is yes. With a caveat, you better be special. And if you're not special, good luck with it. We have that example with Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon held out. Melvin Gordon missed games. Melvin Gordon had to come back with his tail between his legs, having accomplished nothing but missing three paychecks because he's not special, because the team would not turn over, because the team would not bend over on his terms. And if you're not special, good luck. 
So where we are with this is that players have some increasing value, certainly not to the extent of Major League Baseball or NBA players, but it is increasing and players are realizing their value, but they have to be elite because you just can't try this like Melvin Gordon. If you're just very good, you have to be elite. The number four business of football story for 2019 is all about our friend Antonio Brown. His antics kept him in the news all year. It's been a running soap opera all year with Antonio Brown and what he did. It's just a quick review. He was part of three AFC teams this year. He had only earned one, count them, one paycheck throughout the year. Of course, the Steelers had many years of tolerance for Antonio Brown. They finally moved on from him, took two mid-round picks from the Raiders. The Raiders went all in, not only those two picks, but of course gave him this huge contract purported to be the biggest contract for a receiver in the league and purported, again, to have $30 million of guarantees. Well, as we all know, things went south with the Raiders. The General manager voided those guarantees, eventually released him, much the delight it appeared, at least on social media, of Antonio Brown, and he's off. And a free agent once again, enter the New England Patriots, who gave him a purported, big word here, thirty. I'm sorry, $9 million signing bonus, none of which has been paid, uh, for he, him being a Patriot for about 10 days, until they were upset with reports that came out about a sexual assault they did not know about. And they cut him. And now it's in the hands of lawyers trying to get back some of the $30 million from Oakland. Good luck with that. And trying to get the $9 million from New England, which I think they have a much better case for because New England played him in a game, knew about his situation, and a signing bonus has much more strength uh, than other kinds of bonuses. So while the lawyers sort that out, Brown continues to be active on social media, trying to stay relevant as no teams want to sign him. But his antics certainly took up a good portion of the year and showed the business of football is not what it appears to be, not only for the fact that contracts aren't really worth anything but the guarantees, but even the guarantees aren't worth what we call guarantees, as we're learning, because Antonio Brown had $40 million of guarantees this season, and it appears that he is getting zero of that as we speak. Speaking of Brown, he's also part of the third biggest story of 2019 from a business of football perspective, and that is the Pittsburgh Steelers and the New York Giants. This story just resonates with me, and it's the biggest story of the offseason. Decided they were better off, even with harsh cap and cash consequences, decided they were better off without Antonio Brown and Odell Beckham than they were with them. Let that sink in. And I'll say it again. The Pittsburgh Steelers and New York Giants decided they were better off without Antonio Brown and Odell Beckham, respectively, than they were with them. Now, these are two of the shining lights of the decade in terms of wide receivers, two of the biggest stars in the league, and they decided they were better off. With consequence, Antonio Brown's counting $21 million on the Steelers' cap this year for all the contracts they did for him, all the leftover unamortized bonus Second highest cap charge on the team. Beckham, $16 million charge and $20 million of eating a signing bonus they gave him back in August. So, wow. It just continues to resonate that these two stars were shed and the feeling was we're better off without them than with them.
The second biggest story of 2019 in the business of football has to be the continuing ascendance and the booming of the business of the NFL. Listen, you, me, and everyone you know complains about the NFL. Complain about officiating, complain about this robotic commissioner, complain about the arbitrary discipline, complain about the stoppages in play, complain about the commercials, complain about the length of games, the draconian rules, the entitled players, whatever it may be. But here's the thing. We watch. We care. We watch. We care. Imagine all these other leagues. Pick a league, NHL, Major League Baseball, even basketball. They would love as much complaining about the league as, as the NFL gets. They would love it. Because anger is much better than indifference. Complaining is much better than just not paying attention. We're paying attention to the NFL. And that's what makes it the league. All the metrics are up. The ratings are up across all platforms. And now we have legalized gambling coming online. We have two gleaming new stadiums in, in Los Angeles housing two teams and in Las Vegas housing one coming online. That's going to be another brand builder for the league and more increased revenues out of those. We have gambling revenues. We have record-setting media deals ahead, not only with traditional ESPN, Fox, ABC, ESPN, CBS, but also with non-traditional Google, Yahoo, Twitter, Facebook, Amazon, etc. It's all coming from the NFL, and believe me, our complaints are a good thing. It's business, again, Antonio Brown was part of our last two biggest stories. Business is booming. And now, drum roll, the biggest story of the NFL and the business of football is this. Andrew Luck retired. Now, there's so many stories that have come before and after this, but to me, this is the, the news that rocked the NFL, rocked the sports world more than any other. Because, you know, one of the best players in the league in his 20s, in his 20s, walks away. And just tired of the pain, tired of the injury rehabilitation, the constant cycle of rehab, trying to get better, getting better, getting hurt, getting rehab. I get it. And I, like everyone, was shocked at this news when it happened back in whatever, August. You know, I felt the initial shock, thought it was a fake Adam Schefter account like everyone else. But once the shock wears off, you sort of sit back, you get detached, you look at it, and you say, yeah, I get that. <laughs> I get that. And with Andrew Luck, I get that. This guy is just different, not not that there's anything wrong with it. He's just different, and that may be a good thing. I know I don't know him. I know his father very well, Albert Luck. We were general managers together some 27 years ago in the NFL's World League. And this is a guy, was it 27 years ago? No, it was 17 years ago. Um, no, it was 27 years ago, 1991. Um, so, 92. So, anyway... It's just different. He turned down an opportunity to be the number one pick in the draft, chose to stay at Stanford in 2011. Obviously, he was number one pick in 2012. He never used a traditional agent, used his uncle, his mother's brother, as his agent, did two record-setting deals with him. He has a book club, okay? 
And the most unique thing about Andrew Luck as a 20-something in 2019 is that he does not, I repeat, he does not own a smartphone. So knowing what I know about Andrew Luck, he's not only not going to miss football and not going to come back, but he'll live a richer and fuller, more traveled, more cultured life without it. I know that. So the biggest story of the year was a shock and maybe not so much of a shock thinking about it. Andrew Luck, one of the shining lights of the NFL, leaves the sport. Shocking. Those, my friends, are the biggest stories that I see from an eventful year of the business of football. And again, I always look at it as, oh yeah, they play games too. The games are just a storefront. You know, we have, what, 20, 21, 22 weekends of games? And then it's the business, everything beyond that. So that's what I'm here to talk about. Hopefully I've enlightened you. Hopefully you have a wonderful holiday season and you've learned from the Business of Sports podcast. I try to break it down for you. Go inside, take complex information, make it simple for you. I enjoy speaking to you every week. That'll do it. Well, first, let's get another word. From our sponsor, Bet Online. It's the final week of the regular season in the NFL. It's Christmas week, sports action everywhere. You've got NFL this weekend with, of course, the matchups, the big ones, San Francisco and Seattle. You've got Tennessee, Houston. You've got the NBA on Christmas. It's going to be wild. Milwaukee at Philly, Boston at Toronto, Clippers at Lakers. And, of course, the bowl games are getting underway. Ohio State, Clemson, the big one as well as LSU, Oklahoma. Visit betonline.ag. Don't forget about that promo code, PODCAST1. For your 50% sign-up bonus today, betonline.ag. That'll do it for this holiday edition, the top 10 business of football stories from 2019. On the business of sports, thanks to my interstitial music by Sam Brandt, who's home now. My producer extraordinaire, Brian Neal. Thanks to you to follow me on Twitter and give us any rankings you can on Apple Podcasts. Any anywhere you hear your podcast, truly appreciate those. And we'll be back next week with another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. <laughs>